a thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Haven, concentrate on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor, and the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch, the lights are probably gone. So had the stairs. You are just number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 386. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are continuing our discussion about A Christmas Carol. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. This is a one-hour production for the BBC from 1977 adapting the classic Charles Dickens tale about the miserly Scrooge and his redemption. And we have Michael Hordern as a quite convincing Ebenezer Scrooge. We do indeed. And last time we sort of started out with the story, we'll continue by saying again that this is a very faithful adaptation of the Dickens novella which manages to squeeze most of that book into its one-hour running time. So we're going to see, or in fact we have seen, the familiar early scenes of Scrooge in his offices, his encounters with his nephew Fred, with the gentlemen who come collecting for charity at Christmas. And we get even the famous scenes of the door knocker changing in front of him on his door, Marley's ghost, and of course the famous three Christmas spectres who we detailed last time. Yes, the ghost of Christmas past has the shining light from the top of her head that is often not included in adaptations, and the children who represent ignorance and want, also sometimes missing, but they're here in this adaptation. Yes, often missed out these children who represent ignorance and want, and that seems perhaps to be missing the point that Dickens was so keen to make with his writing. But here they are on screen. But yes, they do tend to get missed a lot, Brian. Yeah, some Dickens scholars have talked about that, that some of these things, you know, with his points about society and the conditions that the working class were in some of that that was so important to dickens is sometimes missed out and scholars have talked about that indeed they have now of course that's quite a lot of story for one hour of television running time even with no ads on the bbc and we'll talk about this in a few minutes when we get to our reviews but i would say perhaps it is a slightly tight squeeze to get that much of the original book up on screen, but we will come to that shortly. Yes, it clearly was a priority, as often it was, and sometimes still is, but certainly in the 1970s, keeping adaptations faithful to the source material was something that the BBC was very big on. That was usually a very high priority, and it clearly was here. I'll perhaps also mention the Victorian era. This is when many of the traditions of a British Christmas become sort of enshrined in the national psyche almost. And that Dickens had a hand in all of this, of course, with this story. We notice at the same time we've got uh, Christmas trees being introduced to the country by Prince Albert famously. The Victorians, I think, were the ones who started sending Christmas cards 
We know, we've read about the publication of collections of Christmas carols that had often been forgotten about and were republished in Victorian times and brought back into prominence. So, you know, Dickens, I think, is a big part of that, the Victorian Christmas mystique in a way and these traditions as I say that have become so much a part of this time of year at least here in the UK. Yes the popular image of Christmas and Christmas with snow and so on a lot of that comes down to Dickens and comes down to this story. Indeed. So we should talk about some other versions of A Christmas Carol. I think it's fair to say that there have been rather a lot of film and television adaptations I don't know if it's the most adapted single work of fiction, but it might be. It's certainly quite high on the list. It's certainly mentioned on the Wikipedia page for books that have been adapted frequently. Let's put it that way. Possibly Sherlock Holmes as a character might have appeared in more films and television shows, but that's the character rather than the individual story, I guess, Brian. Yes, there are many adaptations of Hound of the Baskervilles. There are many adaptations of things like Dracula and Frankenstein. But certainly this is right up there as something that is adapted a lot. Yes, has been done many famous times. Yeah, absolutely. And in famous portrayals of Scrooge, we've had people like Alistair Sim, Albert Finney, George C. Scott, Michael Caine, Patrick Stewart, and even Jim Carrey. So, you know, all sorts of people have taken this on. And, you know, coming up to very recently, the BBC did another version of A Christmas Carol in 2019 with Guy Pearce playing Scrooge in a somewhat radical reinterpretation of the original. This was one where they really changed things around a lot. I won't say too much more about it because it could conceivably come up on our docket in the future in a ghost of Christmas yet to come, I suppose, Brian. Yes, you never know. We may get to that. And, of course, even since then, there's been at least one more version, another animated film version in 2020. And IMDb tells me there's another production of A Christmas Carol for film in in production at the moment. So a story that people keep going back to and bringing to the screen. Yes, absolutely. It almost seems like there's always one in production somewhere. Absolutely. Now, of course, uh, here we have Michael Horden playing Scrooge, and it did make me wonder, a question I put on the Facebook group today, Brian, was, you know, who are people's favourite version of Scrooge? I know Alistair Sim and George C. Scott both got some votes for their performances. I'm a big fan of Michael Caine's version in The Muppet Christmas Carol, which, of course, I think you were going to mention, Brian, because of the Muppets doing it. Yes, I I love the fact that the Muppets have done a take on it. That was from 1992. And yes, just nice to see that it shows up in places like that, you know, once you're talking about it. And I would say over here that... The Muppet Christmas Carol is a Christmas regular for my family. We absolutely love that film with uh, Kermit playing Bob Cratchit and, as I say, Michael Caine as a memorable Scrooge. So that's great fun. Now, Brian, um, A Christmas Carol might not be your specialist subject, but Shakespeare is more familiar territory for you. So I wondered, 
If we think about this version being a very faithful, sort of almost straight adaptation of the Dickens book, in Shakespeare, the plays, it often seems to me that there are... There have to be reinterpretations. There has to be a new theme for somebody putting on a production of Hamlet or Lear or something like that. Do you, do you prefer a nice straightforward version from time to time, a faithful one like the BBC were doing in this era? I do like a straightforward production of, uh, of things or a traditional production of things a lot of the time and having things that do a new take can be can be interesting and i think it is worth mentioning that at this point in the 1970s you could still do something as frequently done and as well known as a classic as a christmas carol without having to inject something new into it without a new different take or a bigger production that's been than has been done before or something like that doing a modest faithful production that was just you know doing what what the original story was that was something that they were able to do in 1977 and it is much harder to sell that with something as frequently done as a christmas carol now yes you mentioned the course that as you say the bbc at this time in the 70s were sort of known for their very faithful adaptations of classic works of literature and sticking pretty, you know, um, firmly to the story and uh, getting the time period and the costumes and everything that they're well known for right. So, yeah, I guess they this is something the BBC were very good at at the time and very keen on. Yes, and we've talked about BBC adaptations of novels many times now, you know, ranging from things like Box of Delights, which was also a Christmas-related thing, and classics like the invisible man going through to things like day of the triffids so you know a wide variety of things they had uh, taken on and it was typically the case that making it faithful to the novel or whatever the source material was was very important interesting stuff i mean if you have favorite BBC adaptations from this time period, or if you have a favourite adaptation of A Christmas Carol, or even just your favourite version of Ebenezer Scrooge, then please drop by the Facebook group and let us know. And if there's titles, if there's uh, BBC adaptations from this period we haven't got to yet, and that you'd like to suggest to us, then please also get in touch. Yes, absolutely. And we will, of course, be doing some more adaptations of novels and that sort of thing in the future as well yes not too far away in fact that's right so i guess it's time for us to get into our own views about this 1977 version of a christmas carol brian would you like to start us off in the goods column what was good about this production that you enjoyed? Okay, well, there, well, I'll mention two things because I think they're both huge standouts. One is the original story that they showcased here and, you know, for everything it has. And the other is the cast, which was, you know, remarkable. The cast was very solid and, you know, they had 
well-known people but very well cast people throughout absolutely i mean those are the two standout features of this production in a way the cast is astonishing and they are all doing great work i don't think there was anybody i can remember on screen that gave a jarring note um everybody seems great in this you know even bob cratchit and his family and all of those seem wonderful and of course if you've got somebody like Michael Horden, John LeMessurier acting against each other or acting against Bernard Lee, um, it's great stuff. So the, the cast is fantastic. And it is, as you say, Brian, this is very faithful. This is, this is pretty much the book brought directly to the screen in this one-hour slot. So if you're after a very, very sort of by-the-book, literally, adaptation, this is the one for you, I think. Yes, I, I think so. And a lot of this is going to hang on the performance for Scrooge. And Michael Hordern does that very well. Also worth mentioning is that Scrooge, at the beginning of the story, has to come off as being a really terrible human being. You really, you know, you can't, go without that and i think hordern brings that off very well he plays it very seriously and you have things there is a conversation where someone is asking for donations and says that some poor people might die in the cold and scrooge says well they should get on with it then and he brings that off completely seriously without you know any smile to it and that really helped make this work uh, yeah i mean what a memorable screen presence michael horden was so fantastic in this so fantastic in whistle and i'll come to you i'm going to mention just as in a strange side tangent that i well remember him as the voice of paddington on television in the animation version of course yes but i mean you know he is fantastic as scrooge and he really i think shows and sells us that terrible human being who starts to get some insights into the plight of others and starts to be redeemed before his final conversion as it were so he's great it's great to have bernard lee on screen you know uh, we saw him in that strange nigel neal play moraine which was on the beasts box set a while back but lovely to see him as well i thought brian and of course i'm sure he stood out to you from his bond work oh yes and we've we've seen bernard lee show up in a few things now and he's he's always good he's always convincing and he was very good here and even you know patricia quinn who we you know famously as magenta in the rocky horror picture show but turning up as the ghost of christmas past and looking very much like the description in dickens novel so that was very good and of course it's a bbc period production and the costumes and the sets are all pretty good as well you can never fault them on the costumes i think brian yeah they do historical settings well they always have and that was evident here now when i mention the sets and this is mostly a set bound production which is fine but i do have to mention starting to move into the negatives column for me at least those cso backgrounds of scenes of victorian london with the characters sort of 
superimposed or green screened on top of what did you think about those brian i actually like those i sort of enjoyed that because it gave it this slightly surreal feel to it where they were clearly you know putting people on things that were illustrations that were still frames and were not meant to look realistic in any way you know they they looked like sketches some of them and this was you know sort of for this dream world that we're in for most of the the play as the ghosts are showing scrooge various things and you know it's tied into memory and visions of the future and things that are somewhere else where he isn't there so i thought that was kind of effective i can see that it might not be for everyone, but that was something that I kind of enjoyed in this. Okay. I mean, we've seen it recently when we considered that Supernatural series at Halloween, where it was used, I think, to give us impressions of places like Venice without them having to actually visit there. I have to say, it does look to me slightly weird at times here, and I was much happier when they were on set as it were. And of course, you know, it's Victorian London, so the sets can be fairly dark and gloomy all the time, which, you know, helps with the atmosphere. But okay, so it is there. We'll note it as a thing. Um, You found it, you know, quite interesting. I found it a little bit strange. Yeah, it's definitely part of how they chose to do things with this show. If there is something that is sort of different from what we're used to seeing for A Christmas Carol, that's probably it. I suppose the other effect we mentioned already is Jacob Marley's ghost superimposed or, you know, composited into a shot with Michael Horden. Um, I thought that looked great, actually. I thought, you know, it's a very traditional semi-translucent ghost, as you said last time, Brian. But it did it did work very well. Yes, I think it was a good setup and a good step towards the more vivid things they would do with the ghosts after that with the ghost of Christmas past with the the light from her head and then doing these things with the unusual background and this sort of thing. So I thought that was sort of a nice step into this more unreal world. Interesting stuff. Now, regular listeners will know that I'm often slightly troubled by longer running productions that could be cut down made shorter this one is a one hour slot and actually unusually for me i felt it could have done with a slightly longer time period is it a little bit rushed in its one hour production brian i think it is a little bit rushed it it works it is not a great problem with it but the redemption of scrooge has to happen very quickly because in order to have all of the different things they want to fit in here he has to see things and then they hit him emotionally and he's affected by them very quickly yes indeed it does have to uh, he does have to change fairly quickly it is as i say they've wanted to get in all the major beats from the dickens original it is we can praise it for its faithfulness but it does sometimes feel just a slight rush in its one hour time but having said that i suppose it is only just one hour it's a nice quick watch for christmas and it will deliver pretty much all of A Christmas Carol to you in that time slot. Absolutely. Did you have anything else in the negative column at all about this production, Brian? I don't think so. 
Do you have anything else or should we go on to our recommendations here? Let's get to recommendations because I think we've done with the negatives really. We've mentioned the sort of key points. Yeah, let's get on to what we're going to recommend to our listeners. Okay, I am going to give a conditional recommendation here. If you are looking for a good traditional production of A Christmas Carol, then absolutely you should look for uh, for this one. It uh, does it very well. If you have enough version, you know, enough uh, of A Christmas Carol already, then I don't think you need to add this one. But certainly if you want a nice traditional version, this is a great choice. Yes, I'm going to join you on that and recommend this one, perhaps cautiously. But if you can get hold of it easily, it will give you all of Dickens' A Christmas Carol in just one hour with a great cast and some interesting effects and yeah, I know a lot of people who will read the book every Christmas or will seek out their favourite versions. I'm going to say this one is a cautious recommendation from me as well. I quite like this, and it's certainly very faithful to Dickens' original. Okay, very good. But as ever, if you disagree with our takes on this production, or if you'd like us to cover the Guy Pierce rather different adaptation that the BBC did a couple of years ago, then please get in touch on the Facebook group or britishinvaders at gmail.com. Yeah, absolutely. Any version of A Christmas Carol or any Christmas ghost story that you would like to see us take a look at, we've looked at quite a few. So yeah, let us know what you'd like us to cover for this December slot. So, in summary, A Christmas Carol introduces us to Ebenezer Scrooge, who is a nasty, miserly person who is disliking Christmas very much and is very much against supporting people who have less and supporting the working class and he encounters a series of ghosts first of his deceased business partner Jacob Marley and then of course the famous ghosts of Christmas past Christmas present and Christmas future and from learning about what happened in the past and in the present and in the future, he is redeemed and becomes a better and more generous person. Hooray for Christmas and for Scrooge. Right. And please come back and join us next time as we start 2022 with another sort of seasonal offering. We're looking at another Terry Pratchett production. This time it's Hogfather from Sky One in 2006 and as ever we've got quite a lot of zany fantasy world stuff to talk about next time brian absolutely that will definitely be a fun one to talk about until then you can find us at britishinvaders.com with all of our past episodes there including lots of christmas ghost stories and so on and if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find our group there and join in on the discussions and tell us about your favorite Scrooge. Yeah, come and join the chat there and let us know, please. British Invaders is a proud member of the Voice of Geeks Network, which you will find at vognetwork.com, the place to go for all your geek-related internet content. Absolutely. So thank you for listening. And this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much for being with us. And it's Eamon in England saying goodbye and bah humbug.